Rejoice. Rejoice always. Children have a way of living out their joy, don't they? Just this week, I was riding my bike near a park and I saw a young boy, I don't know, maybe four or five, and he was on a scooter. I slowed down so I could watch more intently because he was so delighted with his own success of making it all the way around the asphalt circle. He was so excited, he was hollering to his mother, Mommy, look at me, look at me, I did it. Oh my goodness. He was so thrilled that he started to dance around doing what I think was his version of the happy hop, the rejoice rumba, swirling to his own smooth, joyful jazz. You know, sometimes kids just have to dance to release their joy. Occasionally, words are not enough to adequately express their delight, so they dance. Now, it's true, not every moment is happy for sure. I mean, let's be honest, there are those pesky skin knees, those cranky evenings because of exhaustion and for sure broken hearts. But every moment holds the possibility of celebration and rejoicing, and children, they don't miss many of them. That little boy who was delightedly dancing around and hollering to his mother is one of the many folks continuing to teach me about rejoicing. And I need to keep being reminded. How about you? Because this year, this year has been a tough year for many of us to rejoice in. We hear the words of our text from the Apostle Paul, and perhaps you, like many others, become, I don't know, dismissive, skeptical, even suspicious, And I understand. But friends, today is the first Sunday of Advent. It is the first Sunday of the church's new year, liturgically speaking. So rejoice. 2020 is almost over. (laughs) Seriously, though, rejoice because today, today we proclaim hope. Hope that Christ is coming again into this world. Authentic hope, not a superficial optimism that sees the world through rose-tinted glasses, but authentic hope that takes the realities of this world seriously and chooses, chooses daily to live with hope. But let's be honest, hearing Paul's words, rejoice always, well, that's easy when there's something good to rejoice about. But why? Why would anyone rejoice when we are living through an awful, life-stealing pandemic. A pandemic that has taken the lives of over 250,000 people in the U.S. just in the last seven months. And add to that the seemingly endless number of hurricanes and wildfires that continue to devastate lives and resources around the world. Why rejoice? And how? How can we rejoice when unemployment's on the rise, the economic picture's uncertain, and food insecurity is a daily reality for too many people? How can we have hope when our marriages are stretched and challenged, some beyond repair? When our children's education is in jeopardy and they're fearful as they see their own parents stressed and anxious? How can we have hope when the people we love are suffering mightily, and we can't even be close enough to hold their hands. Grief and despair are all around. No, we don't feel like rejoicing. But then we hear Paul's words saying, Rejoice always. Give thanks in all circumstances. 
and we wonder, are we hearing him correctly? I mean, was Paul living in some ivory tower somewhere? How, in light of our present realities of racial injustice and political turmoil, do we make sense of Paul's words? So let's look at what's going on. Paul did not write these words in an ivory tower. He wrote them in a time of his own turmoil and persecution. If we back up a little to the book of Acts, to chapter 17, we read of Paul's spectacular visit to Thessalonica and along that southbound road between Philippi to Athens. Three weeks of preaching and they made many converts and then a riot erupted in the city. The authorities were upset because they were, quote, turning the world upside down. So much for Christians staying under the radar of the authorities. Paul and Silas had to flee for fear of persecution. And Paul was concerned about this fledgling community he had grown to love. So about eight months after that wild and exciting visit, Paul wrote them a letter to see how they were doing and to encourage them. It's perhaps Paul's first recorded letter to a new Christian community. At least it's the earliest one we have written in about the year 50 or 51. Now, this letter is not a well-laid-out systematic theology of Paul's. Rather, it's an ethic of devotion. It's a plan for the way to live in this time between time, between Christ's first and second advent. This comforting, hopeful letter is called 1 Thessalonians. So I mentioned that Paul and Silas were persecuted. It turns out that during his ministry, Paul was beaten, he was stoned, he was imprisoned and left for dead. He experienced all kinds of mental and physical and spiritual hardship. He faced violence from his enemies and sadly, the rejection of friends. So the words that Paul writes are not meaningless and empty, spoken by someone who doesn't have a clue about what he's talking about. Instead, Like many of us living today, Paul knew what it's like to suffer and to grieve. And yet he calls us to rejoice, to pray, to give thanks. Have you known people who can do that? Rejoice, pray, and give thanks even when their world seems to be crashing down all around them? I have a friend named Joyce. She gave birth to premature triplets in May. After six months of hopes and fears, prayers and tears, she left the hospital two weeks ago with one precious baby. And she wrote this, if you are part of the medical team that took care of my boys and me during our hospital stay, I want to say thank you. I can imagine your job feels really difficult right now. And I'm sorry you hear more complaints than compliments. Please know that you are amazing. You journeyed with us on some of our hardest days and you were a shoulder to cry on and you taught us how to care for our son. When you are overwhelmed and exhausted and you don't feel like you are making a difference, please know that you did and you do. I am forever grateful. Friends, if you are a first responder, if you're a hospital chaplain, if you're a teacher, if you're a parent, if you are a human being, I hope you hear in her words a word of gratitude for the difference you make and you can make in the lives of others. 
I'm grateful to Joyce and Ken for their witness. But how, how in the midst of suffering, grief, and heartache, how does one do it? Rejoice, give thanks, and praise. For the Apostle Paul, rejoicing is not some saccharinely sweet, fake happiness. It's not overly emotional excitement or any form of avoidance or even a denial of life's difficulties. When Paul says rejoice always, he doesn't mean don't cry, don't grieve, don't lament. Quite the contrary. You see, Paul, he's a faithful Jew. He was raised on the Psalms. And approximately 70% of the Psalms are Psalms of lament, prayers and songs of people crying out to God. One pastor I read reminded me that the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. Jesus wept, and so should we. He wept over the presence of evil and violence in the world back then, and we should weep with him over the presence of evil and sadness and violence in the world today. We will never be able to rejoice in God unless we're able to weep with God. I don't think we'll ever be able to get to real rejoicing until we acknowledge the deep loss that we are going through or have gone through. Never be able to really rejoice in God, that preposition, unless we're able to weep with God. It's kind of like Paul is saying rejoicing is being able to walk through the valley of the shadow of death, even though your eyes are spilling over with tears and your heart is breaking, because you know, you trust, you believe that you are not alone. God is with you. Paul continues, in the midst of sadness, grief, and pain, he says, pray without ceasing. Maybe, maybe he means by that, don't let the situation that is right in front of you keep you from seeing God. And friends, please don't let whatever's going on with you cause you to turn away from God. Keep praying, keep trusting, keep looking for God for somehow it seems that God is most near in those difficult times. That's what Advent's all about, reminding us that Christ has come to be with us, to be with you, and we can live now with hope. So even if God seems silent, our prayers help us stay focused on the reality of Christ's presence with us. And finally, Paul adds, give thanks in all circumstances. Well, this one, that sounds a little tough to me. Let's be clear. Paul is not saying give thanks for all circumstances. He's not saying give God thanks for COVID. I think it's more like give thanks because in the midst of this difficult moment, this present problem is not the final answer. The one to whom John the Baptist pointed, he will bring light into the darkness. Yes, Paul's conviction is so strong. In this letter, he's encouraging this small group of faithful folks in Thessalonica, and he's encouraging us, reminding us that we too can face tomorrow, no matter what may come. And yet I have to admit that literally as I was writing this sermon on Thursday night, I received word that my precious cousin, who was then lying in a ICU bed and on a ventilator fighting for her life due to the coronavirus, I received word she'd lost her battle and died. In those moments, I wanted to cry out, God, you just don't understand. 
You don't know what it's like to be human and bear this sadness and pain. And that's when I heard Paul pointing to Christ, reminding me, oh, but God does. God came into this world as a baby in human flesh. God knows exactly what it's like because God has gone through everything you're going through, everything any one of us is going through. God knows what it's like, and God is right here walking with you in these difficult days. And so we give thanks and rejoice because God's light is stronger than any darkness. We give thanks that the light of Christ shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never and will never put it out. When I'm reminded of this, well, it makes me want to live with confidence and hope because I know God is still breaking into our present reality. And together, I long for us to make that hope real in the ways that we rejoice and pray and give thanks. And maybe, just maybe, we could encourage each other to do our own versions of the Rejoice Rumba. Will you pray with me? Oh, loving Jesus, we recognize that sometimes to live with hope is hard work, but we're grateful that we don't go it alone for you are with us. Let your light shine through us and let our examples of joy and prayer and gratitude encourage others on this journey through life. We pray in your name. Amen.